Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ. In our series, Identity Theft, we'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. Welcome, podcast listeners. We have a very exciting message we want to deliver to you today. Whether you are driving down the highway, listening to this podcast, or maybe your pastor is planted in your church, which I know is the case for a couple churches, we welcome you and thank you very much for joining this podcast. This is number 162 in the Identity Matters podcast. That means we have 162 messages posted in Sermon.net that you can listen to that is addressing the issue of identity. We have 896 messages posted. Those messages cover everything from parenting, marriage, there are topics that go everywhere in, in respects to a crisis life worldview. So that's kind of how these numbers work. Within the Identity Matters series, we have sub-series. We're in a sub-series right now called Identity Theft. Identity Theft is actually a workbook. Thank God I got the outline completely done this week. We start putting the meat on the dry bones very soon, and that's exciting to me. This workbook, listeners, listen very carefully. This is very, very important if you're using the Identity Matters workbook. This workbook is going to replace the Identity Matters workbook. But we encourage you to continue to use that workbook because it's going to take us most of this year to finish this new workbook. This new workbook is going to cover everything in the Identity Matters workbook and the worldview issues. So it's going to be more of a study manual. It's really exciting now this whole thing is coming together. The Lord has given me the outline. A lot of the material obviously still exists. The way we like to design things is put things together that we already have audio ready to go with it. We oftentimes have videos to go with it. And then when we put a workbook together, we can put a whole package together. That's what's happening. That workbook will be called the Identity Theft. Okay, now we can move into our topic under Identity Theft, and that is a topic of addressing the millennial generation. Other fun news for you, a book that I wrote called Faithful Father and the Bride of Christ, that book has been completely rewritten to address the millennial generation. The Lord gave me this idea weeks ago. The Lord reconditions this. He blessed me with two authors that are out there that have helped me with this, In fact, the quote that I got back yesterday afternoon was, this book 
is changing my life. Now this is already an existing exchange lifer. The uniqueness that God had me recondition this book and add all the new millennial stuff to it. This is really exciting for me because I was not looking forward to writing a brand new book on the millennials. But it's a really, really big need. These messages all go with the book. So when they order a package online, they'll get the book and a copy of all the PowerPoint presentations and the audios. That's how we're doing it. So that is exciting because it makes it about as practical as you possibly could want it. So the title of our message today is, Hey Millennials, Satan Might Be Your Daddy. Now I post the PDF of the message that I do typically several days before we give the message and I guess it's not much of a surprise to me, we're starting to get hits. These teachings about the millennials either make millennials mad or it makes the parents of the millennials mad because it's the parents who have spoiled their children that made them millennials. Are you with me? They have let their children pretty much have anything they want. So when a parent is reading this or listening to it, it oftentimes evokes a anger response. A lot of the millennials who are spoiled are kind of like, will this guy quit picking on me? Will he quit rejecting my Mimi gospel? You see, because the society in life has been built around that person, everything is about me. Listeners, there's only two daddies in the world. There will never be three. The archangels aren't daddies. None of the angels are daddies. Their seed is passed on not. So you say, what about mankind? You better listen very carefully today because I might pop your bubble. There's God the Father, and there's the Father of lies. One of them is your daddy. One of them is not. And if you do not know, if you cannot answer that question, I already know who your daddy is. You see, I know my father. Whether I'm a brand new born again believer, indwelt by the living life of Christ, it's the spirit of the living God that lives inside me that bears witness with the fact of the Abba. That's why your hands go up and worship. If you cannot discern out that peace, the question has already been answered. So who's your daddy? Is a great question. And is Satan your daddy? Is a good question. So you might want to listen today. Before we move into our message, I want to do our book of the week recommendation. My wife probably could tell you tons more about this book. I use it for research. It's a bad habit I have. 
Instead of reading it cover to cover, I go, oh, I know there's something in there on chapter 3. But honey, what is so special about this book? For our listeners, it's called Altered by Jennifer Kennedy Dean. If you want to make this really easy and simple, you go to our website at www.iomamerica.org and go to the drop-down menu under Resources, and you'll see Book of the Week. It's already posted there right now. You click on that little advertisement picture. Again, we don't get a single penny from these ads. And it will link you directly to her site, and she'll get the profits to enhance her ministry. It's a way we serve these authors as well as the body of Christ and getting the right tools in their hands to read. So that's our book of the week. Let's take a look at our scripture that was read to us earlier. Now, even though that you're, you're sitting there listening to this whole idea of Job, first chapter, before any of the horrible things that Job went through is revealed, we have this very interesting scenario that is put in front of us, and that is, one, every single day, 24 hours a day, there are sons of God coming before the living God for permission, for something. So there you have this story, and those who do not understand the history of Job, it was the very first book written in the Bible. Genesis was not. It was Job. Now, so God is launching the word in written form to us on this story. And it happens to be the first part of Job's story. And that is, Satan himself comes with these sons of God, which are angels, And God's already aware of what he's going to ask him. Well, he already knows why he's standing in line. Got to remember, this is a being that got kicked out of heaven like a bolt of lightning because there was no therapy available for him for trying to steal the role of the father. Now, the scripture puts it in such a way where it says that he will rise up to be like the Most High. Hebrew explains it in a different way. It's stealing the role of God the Father. Who is the Most High? So this history is is between Satan standing in front of the, the throne of God and God. So God makes the suggestion. Have you considered my servant, Job? And then a dialogue begins to take place between the two of them. Well, I can't touch your servant, Job, because there's a hedge about him. And, and, and. And then God literally reinforces a compliment for Job of his investment as a father into Job 
and how Job is the most righteous in all the land. Now back to Hebrew again. Righteous in all the land is a son who has openly been obedient to hearing the voice of a father and carrying out the deeds. That's why Job was so righteous, because he was so obedient. That's our story. I always look into Hebrew 1, and secondly, I read between the lines, and I want to know what was going on between God the Father and Job that was so significant that God would make that kind of comment to an Old Testament man who was filled with sin. The level of trust, the level of belief, the level, all the stuff that comes with obeying a strong authority figure was in place with Job. So here's Satan, aware of that. I can't get at him. Anyone who has a dynamic, intimate relationship that manifests itself in obedience has an anointing and protection and a hedge about them that Satan cannot penetrate. I said, God, I'm all in this. This has got to be a book coming out of this. And that's where Faithful Father, the book Faithful Father came from, is that single discovery where I'm going, this is unbelievable. My mind cannot even wrap itself around this simple principle. The first book that I wrote before Faithful Father was Permissible Suffocations. The book is basically almost done. And my primary editor in Colorado can't figure out why we won't publish this thing. But now I understand. You see, the dynamics between suffering and obedience is a bit mind-bending for humanoids. That's humans. It's just, it's just too much. We interpret, like the millennials today are living as a lifestyle, we interpret comfort as love. Not Job. Not thousands of other true obedient children of God. We are living in a generation where comfort and love and a millennial Jesus are all best friends. So if our Jesus is too conservative, our Jesus is too obedient, stay with me on this, 602-292-2982. If Jesus is so obedient to his Father to this very day, it didn't stop, folks. And the Holy Spirit is 100% obedient to Jesus. And that Holy Spirit lives and resides inside your mortal body called indwelt Christian. And all that obedience is going on. And you dare defy the Father? I dare defy the Father? I don't go to God for permission to sin? 
I hope you caught that, because that's what Satan has to do. This father of sin. That's what these sons of God have to do. They have to go to the author and ask for permission to attack you. And God says yes. God says no. Then he provides the details of how he wants you attacked. Oh, I'm going to get a 602 on that, and I hope I do. This is real theology we're talking about here. This is the real stuff. This is not fluffy. It's not stab it and slab it and name it and claim it. It's not prosperity in any fashion. It is the author and perfecter of the entire eternity that decides if you're going to have a bad day. Then you start ordering the living God around like he's some kind of puppet. I can't even stand to listen to the prayers of most Christians. They're so selfish and me-me oriented that they do not honor an existing living God of eternity. You have God living inside you if you're into wealth. And if you do not understand the simple connection that Jesus was making about love, you're not going to understand his second coming. Millennials, I hope you're listening. Now just remember, I've got grandchildren that are Zs. I have a couple of grandchildren that I could probably push them into the millennial generation. I have a daughter that's definitely in the millennial generation. And I know that the way you stretch that timeline, you can say some are in the baby boomers, some are in the exes, some are in, you know, we kind of move it around a little bit. But here's what we're saying. We're all living. If you're listening, you're living. You're all living in a present generation that says, it is my way or you die. The generation of children rising up to kill their parents is upon us. I get the news. I read the news. You hopefully do too. It is a huge problem. Do you know we save more animals in this world than we do people? Murder is out of control in this world. It is bordering on media blackout. That it's creating such a depressed, oppressed nature about a nation that they consider media blackouts. Because it affects national security. Millennials, the question is before us, is Satan your daddy? Since most millennials reject authority, thus resisting father figures, they tend to run from the idea of adopting God-ordained and appointed spiritual fathers. The result of their illogical ideology is simple. They become their own delusional authority. This is what the word calls a fool, one who attempts to steal the role of God the Father. That is literally an act that replicates what Satan did.
That's all he wants. Misery truly does love company. Check out this diagram. At the top of this pyramid type of design, you have God the Father who instructs his Son. 1 Corinthians 8, 6 talks about there is only one God, the Father. The next person of authority is God, the Son. God, the Son, instructs the Spirit. John 8, 28 says he acts and speaks from, literally, the Father's life. God, the Spirit, instructs the church leaders. See, the Spirit is literally the conduit that that downloads and releases the mind of Christ into the Spirit, into the believer, so you can say what the Scriptures tell us, for you have, or don't you know, that you have the mind of Christ. This is how it happens. If one ounce of rebellion takes place between those three, the church leaders are whacked. So why do we have church leaders that are whacked and they're claiming to hear the Holy Spirit? And you watch the Holy Spirit laugh in the Spirit, throw up in the Spirit, bark like dogs in the Spirit, and the list goes on and on. Stuff that they give the Holy Spirit credit for, and it's nothing more than a demon. That is not cooperation of authority. Twisted doctrines happen because someone within the structure is defying authority. So the church leader instructs the husbands. The husbands instruct the wives. The wives instruct the children. Children instruct creation. They're dogs. So that the final block is that all of creation will glorify God. The whole system has to stay in place and it has to work 100% in obedience to each other to get the true church. So what is wrong with our church today? Because this is not how we function. Baptists the same, well, we don't believe like the Charismatics. The Episcopals are saying, we don't believe that there is a Jesus that is God. And it goes on and on and on and on and on. There's something missing in the linkage. God is really not going to allow his position as God the Father to be taken by anyone. Einstein said to his students one day, I learned this from a professor in my doctorate program in Phoenix. He says, you know how important your thoughts are and your opinions are to me? He takes his cup and he just allows one drop to come out of the glass. He said, now, that's just one drop. One entire human life and everything within that drop is every single opinion you have about everything. 
But instead of the bucket being a bucket, the bucket is the entire universe, as he called it. How significant is that drop in all of eternity? Nothing. So you see, when Paul said, he who thinks he's something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself, that's where we have to start. That's the deception that affects people or spirits that are trying to take the role of God the Father. God is saying, like it says on our slide there, you know, heaven is secure. There's not one single thought or opinion that's going to arrive in heaven from your brain. Not one. The scripture says our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not. And you think your thoughts are going to get to heaven? You better begin to explore the reality of the mind of Christ in you. That's what will go on for eternity. Everything else is going to die with your casket. been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.